in Seattle. Seattle. You need to buy yourself a home. We'll be right there for you. Because we're the realtors that you can trust. So go to rodandbouncedown.com. People ask me, how do you put up with these two? My answer? Good snacks and video games. Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's Ron and Don, and it is episode 177. We are live from the Les Schwab Studios. He's Ron, I'm Don. We want to thank all of you for reaching out to us, because even though we give you the Ron and Don show three times a week, well, we still got to pay some bills around here, and that's why Ron and Don are licensed brokers at Windermere, and we've written two brand new books, and a lot of people have been asking about this. They have. It's a buyer's guide and a seller's guide. I just sent one out moments ago before we started recording because it's a big process, especially if you're from a different market. You might be from a different country. You might have never bought something or sold something. It might be the first time in decades that you've done so. It's a very complicated process. This is a great place to start. I'll send you the book for free. Then we can do a run it on sit down where we answer your questions and get a game plan together, create your team, and then get you on your real estate journey with the eventual destination is to make your dreams come true. Yeah, and some people are reaching out and saying, hey, I'm not going on this journey, but my mom is, my dad is, my friend is, my aunt, my uncle. If you want to send them this electronic book, that would be awesome too. So just reach out to Ron, ron at windermere.com, or just go to our website, ronanddonsitdown.com. Sit down. That's ronanddonsitdown.com. Coming up on the Ron and Don Show, eastbound and down the can Cannonball Run? Yeah. With COVID going on, highways wide open, you're not going to believe what guys are doing uh, in honor of Burt Reynolds and Dom DeLuise and, of course, Sally Fields back in the day, the Cannonball Run. Remember that with Jerry Reese singing that song? We'll get to that. Also, uh, it is Monday, and tomorrow is the day, the big day that we're all going to vote. And hopefully, well, chances are you may have voted already. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. Uh, We're recording this over the weekend. Uh, It is Halloween, and tonight it's kind of interesting because I wonder what people are going to be doing as we head into the holiday seasons. Are you getting ready for a big Thanksgiving Day meal? Are you getting ready to have people over for a Halloween party? Are you getting ready for Christmas Eve where aunts and uncles are going to be flying in? And what about New Year's Eve? Are you going to go to a big party somewhere? It seems like as COVID is really beginning to take off again in the States and over in Europe, it seems like a lot of people have said, you know what, the hell with it. I'm going to a Halloween party. I'm putting this costume on tonight. Let me tell you what we're doing in our neighborhood, which I think is a way to kind of do both. Uh, We have a neighborhood list. It's kind of our neighborhood crime watch list. And what we did is everybody... On the list, number one says, look out for these O'Neills. Yeah. Keep your eyes on the O'Neills. You know what's kind of cool is in our neighborhood, we have a mix. We have a lot of young coders that live in our neighborhood, a lot of people that work in tech because we're about four miles from South Lake Union. And then we also have a lot of people that are in their 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s that have lived in this neighborhood for years since World War II. And so the thought is, how do we go door to door? How do I go door to door with my son and go trick-or-treating? Because the bottom line is, we still want our kids to be kids. We still want our friends to open doors and ooh and ah. At the same time, we don't want to hurt anybody. We don't want to spread COVID. And so what we have done in our neighborhood is people are putting up orange balloons uh, in our block. And so if trick-or-treaters are invited to come by, orange balloons are up 
and that means come by, knock on the door. We'll be socially distancing, but if you knock on the door, chances are the candy's sitting somewhere on the porch, or maybe there's some kind of candy shoot where we'll send that to you, but we're still going to open the doors and ooh and ah over your kids. Uh, in some other places, neighbors have said, hey, we're going to turn off the lights, we're going to be out of town, or we're a bit older, we don't feel comfortable with that, uh, but we'll still leave something out on the curb for the kids that are coming by. We'll still leave a bowl so of candy. it seems to me that the, the door-to-door thing, if everyone's conscientious, would be way safer than a party. Yes. Like, like I think going to a party, being in a confined space uh, with with a bunch of people close together, that's the thing that you would be dangerous with. It appears like, that's what I would think. Yeah, and, because and, there were those things that we've had for years of like, hey, let's have all the kids show up at a, a grade school and it's indoors if it's raining, let's say, yeah, uh, and or a church group or whatever. That seems way more dangerous than to just be outside, stay six feet away from everybody, and go up to the door and leave the door. Well, I think what people have to consider is who's in your bubble and they do this in europe and we haven't done a great job in coaching people here in the states but that's kind of what we've done like when we're going to watch a seahawk game you know ron's in my bubble my friend joe my friend scotty uh, myself my son we kind of have this bubble and we will get together we'll do work things together we'll watch the seahawks together but we watched the seahawks together last weekend and i almost froze my heart off because we had all the windows open it was 46 degrees outside we had all the doors open we were socially distancing inside the house with our jackets on we took everybody's temperature we took everybody temperature when they walked in so we're doing our very best to say you know what how can we get together for a seahawk game have some sense of normalcy and cheer for a team that we all love and care about and at the same time be respectful to everyone that's in that room and then also when you get up the next day you're coming in contact with other people and and i think we have to think about that as you head into thanksgiving christmas new years you have to think about who's in my bubble and if you're going to sit down and have dinner with someone at the same time are you do it with doors open with windows open and i don't think it's super smart to get on a plane and fly to grandmother's house because the bottom line is this you may kill grandmother you may and i think also i'm thinking of families where you might be across the political spectrum and even by state by state there are sort of different standards um you might have to cancel it like it's like okay well i can't not invite uncle fred and Aunt Eileen. But I know that they're from a state and they're a different political stripe than I am. And maybe they haven't believed in masks and maybe they've been different. I don't want to insult them by not inviting them. And so maybe better just not do the entire thing. I I have a very good friend when we were recording the last show. I got a text during the show that her grandpa died and he's in a Midwest state that has been very laxed. And the governor of that state has come out publicly and said, hey, masks are optional. If your business needs to be open to take care of your family, have your business be open. I'm not going to tell you what to do. You're all adults. You can do it the same, however you want to do it. That state is spiking, and her grandfather got uh, COVID and is now dead. Uh, And she's making plans to go back to the funeral. So if you're in that sort of state, uh, and I had a 10-year-old, I would not want to invite people from that state. It's like, I love you. You're my family member. But I don't know who you've been exposed to. That's a state where 48% of the tests coming back are positive now. That must be North Dakota or South Dakota because the Dakotas were like, hey, we don't need masks uh, and we don't have COVID. And now all of a sudden, 
you're you're right it's somewhere in the 40 percentile of everyone that gets tested has covid and those populations are very small north dakota south dakota are only eight hundred thousand people and a lot of people that are there are there for fracking right they've come up from the south and there's a lot of people in the south especially out of the great state of texas uh especially out of places like louisiana mississippi where you have a lot of gas and oil where a lot of those gas and oil people have come up to the dakotas and they're up there fracking uh, they don't necessarily believe in wearing masks, I, and you I, even you even have you have the governor of South Dakota saying yesterday that masks are still going to be optional. There, still going to be optional going into this election cycle because he believes that's what he has to say in order to continue to be governor. I, I think it might be a female governor, but either way. So in that case, I would err on the side of just saying no Thanksgiving this year. Everybody make their own meal. We can have a family FaceTime call. Uh, or a family Zoom call and see everybody for a little bit. But in terms of making that trek and being in the same room with people that are not in your sphere but are family members, that's what I would choose. Uh, My brother invited me to go to Thanksgiving in New Mexico, and I would love to do it, but I just I, I don't think I'm going to. Like, I would love to. I haven't been down there in a while. I would love to go see my brother. Uh, but in terms of the people that might be there, and again, it feels weird saying this, I don't know them. Yeah. I, I don't know everybody. Good friend of mine, one of my best friends, his daughter uh, was invited to come to Thanksgiving and Christmas Eve. Uh, grab a meal and she asked her dad she said is everybody gonna be tested is everybody gonna get a COVID test and he said I can't force people to do that and she said you know what as much as I would love to come uh, I'm not gonna be there and her concern is you know what I'm healthy my boyfriend's healthy if we show up though and we end up uh, passing on COVID in a very passive way to an aunt and uncle grandma or grandfather she said, I wouldn't be able to live with myself. I thought that was pretty extraordinary because there's a lot of 20-somethings and 30-somethings out there, uh, we think, that feel like, hey, I can go party. I can go to spring break. I can have a New Year's Eve party. I'm seeing Halloween parties online. Uh, we can celebrate and have fun and live through this. Chances are you can't. But if you get COVID now and then you hand that off at Thanksgiving, I think that's the real danger. And that's what the CDC has been talking about. And that's why, again, I think we all have to kind of determine as we head into these winter months, who's going to be in our bubble, who's not going to be in our bubble. And this means there's going to be a lot of visiting like we do over at my house. We just we sit out on the deck. We put on big jackets. And that's how I talk to neighbors and friends right now. Well, it just reminds me, as you said that, of uh, the heroism in my mind of all these millions of Americans standing in line in other states to vote uh, that are taking a risk. Yeah. You know what? Let's come back and talk about that. We'll talk about voting on the other side of this. Hey, you guys, listen up. It's uh, Ron and Don here for Les Schwab. You know, the changing seasons. It's happening today right in front of our eyes. Hey, it's time to start thinking about winter driving conditions. And there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be driving this winter because they're not fly, right? So whether you're going to grandma's house, whether you're going on that ski trip, whether you're finally, finally going to go get some lessons when it comes to snowboarding, Les Schwab, you want to make sure you stop by one of their 85 locations here in western Washington before you hit the road. 
out. Yeah, some easy things to check out, and we just did this for my dad. Uh, your windshield wipers, your headlights, taillights, front and rear defrosters, your blinkers and backup lights. Make sure everything is working properly when it starts getting dark so early. Some more difficult items to check out, and this is where Les Schwab comes in to help out. Your brakes, your alignment, your suspension, your batteries, and your tires. So important when it gets wet around here. Schedule a time at leschwab.com or stop by your local Les Schwab store for a free pre-trip safety check they do a visual inspection for some of your vehicle's most important parts and they can help you decide if you need winter tires that's les schwab doing the right thing matters if you're downsizing upsizing or right sizing ron and don can help you buy sell or invest in real estate it all starts with a ron and don sit down started out right away with don helping us look at the options like here are different ways you can approach the sale of this house i bought and sold a lot of real estate over my life dawn's listening skills were um superior dawn came with ron he was incredibly well prepared they were just really impressive and the things that they outlined that they were were going to provide their services were it just made it easy it was a lay down and so we put it on the market on saturday there was a lot of interest they made an offer on the on the offer date for over asking price. We did amazing. It was the best case scenario. We couldn't have done better. It couldn't have been a better experience. When we first sat down, they showed me what property was selling for in my neighborhood. They had several suggestions on you know when we should go on the market, what we needed to do to get ready to go on the market. I, I couldn't be happier with the experience we had. We all celebrated. It felt like a team victory. <laughs> We were all just jumping up and down. They were passionate, and they, they were just honest and straightforward, and uh, no, everything's great. Uh, yeah, I definitely would recommend it. We had multiple offers, $50,000 more than the asking price. He had no contingencies, so I jumped on that one. I can't wait to do another deal with them. It was great. It was awesome. When you're ready to sit down with Ron and Don and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. Don't go anywhere unless you want to. It's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me. Hey, you guys, episode 177, rolling on. Don't forget our website, ronanddonsitdown.com, when you're ready to sit down with us and start your real estate journey. Uh, let's do it. By the way, a lot of people love the new song. Oh, they do? Good. I'm hearing a lot of great things Great about that. I'm going to put them in rotation, but I, I thought that uh, having multiple jingles would be the way to go. A lot of people hated the first jingle, which made me love it more. And then this one, people are really loving it, so I don't I know how to feel about DJ, that. His uh, DJ Magic K or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> He's great. It's awesome, man. Ride it down, sit down, dot com. When you're ready to sit down with us, we sit down with people every morning at 7.30. We'd love to grab a cup of coffee with you and uh, do that. Let's talk about voting a little bit. It's kind of weird. Uh, we're smashing records right now when it comes to 2016. Do you think we're smashing voting records because people are voting by mail and they're not going to show up on election day and at the end of the day it'll be the same as 2016? Or are we seeing are we seeing something here unprecedented, Ron? I think it is unprecedented on a lot of uh, levels. The first one is strategically, and I'm really I, I would hope that people would really think about this. What I'm about to say, the GOP strategy has been stated that limiting people voting is good for Republicans. So think about that for a minute. (coughs) 
And, and the president of the United States even come out and has said this explicitly. They want to block voters, make it difficult for voters, make it uh, like you think about the state of Texas. They've taken counties. They said one drop box per county. Doesn't matter if you uh, have a county with 4,000 people in it or a county with 4 million people in it, you get one Dropbox. And they're saying that is good for Republican candidates somehow um, to not have every vote. There have been multiple states that have gone to the Supreme Court that the GOP has stacked to try to limit voting, to say, oh, if a, if a, if a vote arrives in the mail postmarked election day, but it, it gets to the, the counting center the day after election day, we're not going to count that vote. And they believe that that's good for them. Well, the, re- and the, the reason is, and I should explain, what states are able to see and re- what Republicans and Democrats are able to see is since 2016, how many people have voted or, or I'm sorry, not voted, have signed up in the state to be Democrats, how many have signed up to be Republicans, and how many have signed up to be independents. What they have found in a lot of these swing states is that Democrats far out, not, not all of them, but Democrats foul, uh, far outnumber the Republicans in a lot of these swing states when it comes to, to registering to vote and to registering to vote through the mail. This was not true in 2016, especially in the swing states. Uh, the Republicans were actually very good at this. And so this, is, this script has been flipped now. The Democrats have worked very, very hard in these swing states and other states, uh, states that maybe aren't a swing state, but they think they can flip it, like a place like Florida or even Texas. They think they may be able to flip Texas. That's incredible. And so for the Republicans, they don't want to see these ballots showing up in the mail. They don't even want them to count. And they're like, hey, everybody, just show up on election day. But where that's going to backfire is there are going to be some people that show up on election day. They're standing in line and standing and standing. Then they start reading the early returns and they're like, wow, let's say that this is a landslide. Either way, if it's a landslide for Republicans, my vote doesn't matter. I'm going to walk away and go home. Or if it's a landslide for Democrats and you're a Republican, you're standing in line, you may say, you know what? It's a landslide the other way. Why am I going to stand here for the next four, five, six hours? You're telling me, though, in some places right now, people are standing in line for 14 and 16 hours. They are, and I I have a huge amount of respect for them. I, I take for granted in the state of Washington that I get my ballot in the mail. I fill it out in my sweatpants. I slap a stamp on there, or I don't even think you have to slap a stamp anymore. I walk around the corner and put it in the mailbox. I'm done. Uh, and other people, I watch them. They, in Houston, they had to have four spots, I think, that are now open 24 hours a day. Because they said, we have a lot of workers that work swing shift or nurses or oil workers, and we want them to, to have an, a chance. But think about if you are in a risk group. And you have all the stuff we just talked about. Um, and you're going to go, I'm going to go stand in line with people I don't know. It's going to take hours for me to get to the front of that line because there have been politicians that have deliberately and not even hidden it. They've deliberately shrinked the amount of polling spots. They've deliberately tried to funnel us down and make it as difficult as possible to vote. Think about that for a minute. This is is, is gerrymandered the lines in order to benefit. Is this not the most un-American thing you can imagine to say we want to make it difficult for citizens to vote? Well, and if you're to be an informed voter and and i shared this before in episode 173 and this is what i really appreciate about my mother in new mexico uh you know she's 77 years old she stayed at home 
But what it allowed her to do is to look up every single name on her ballot and take all the time she needed. You can take hours and days and weeks if you want to, depending on where you get your ballot. I did something very similar. And I think it's interesting because people always call me a libtard or they call me a liberal. If, if, if you looked at my, my voting record, I've probably voted for more Republicans in the past than I have Democrats because I'm very fiscally, very fiscally. I like to be very fiscally responsible, and I don't feel like the Democrats are very fiscally responsible. And, and I think we may see this on the other side of the election. I think we will see a recession that we haven't seen yet if Democrats are in power because somebody has to pay for all this and you can't keep throwing money at it. The other thing that Democrats are going to do is they're going to put in, they're going to place back in a lot of the regulation on big business that Barack Obama did by executive order. Donald Trump got into office and did all that by executive order. It's going to be done to again and taxes are going to have to be raised, especially on the middle and the upper class. So as a result of this, I think you're just a more informed voter like my mother or even myself when you get to sit at home and say, who are these judges? Because I just don't want to vote for them on the basis of there's an R or a D by their name. I want to vote for them on the basis of what their record is. You can't stand in a voting booth unless you've really done your homework, which people don't. The, 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 the parties a lot of times, especially the Republican Party, they like you going into the voting booth. And the reason they like that is because they know you're going to vote the ticket. Where I grew up in Illinois, you vote the ticket. Ticket. My whole family votes the ticket, no matter what. You vote the ticket. And I certainly know Democrats who vote the ticket too. But what I like to do is not vote the ticket. Yeah, I too. like to look at the person that is running for office. I like to look at the record and make a decision, not based on whether they're a Democrat or Republican, but based on the history of the way that they've governed. Yeah, and just in closing, it is heroic to me for the millions of Americans in other states that are standing in line for hours and hours and hours. I, I saw a video of one gentleman that watched an entire season of Curb Your Enthusiasm on his phone and still the whole season and was still not at the front of the line to vote. And I, I've seen uh, people that are in their 70s or 80s that have to bring a little chair and move it along every six feet. Um, for hours and hours, they're getting food delivered to them. I saw Paul Rudd, the comedian, had grabbed a giant bag of snacks and he masked up and he went down the line and was handing out snacks to people standing in the rain uh, to, to vote so that they could just have some energy to make it through that day. What kind of, what kind of snacks? Uh, I think they were cookies in the little cellophane cookie huh. wrapper. Interesting. So um, th that to me is heroic. That is someone saying, uh, this is going to be a pain in the butt. This is not going to be instantaneous, even though it should be. Uh, and I am going to do my civic duty, even though it's difficult, and go vote. And, and even if, I don't care which side you're voting for, the fortitude it took to do that, I have a lot of respect for. Yeah. All right. Hey, uh, don't go anywhere. Coming back here, Sean Connery, 007. No longer with us. And some people are really sad today as a result of that. I'm sad about what he said to Playboy magazine back when he was 007. We'll talk about that on the other side of this. We could use your help to spread the word that Ron and Don Radio can now be heard worldwide on your phone at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor FM. Please tell someone and hit subscribe. Hey, you guys. Thanks for listening to episode 177 live from the Les Schwab Studios. He's Ron and I am Don. All right. Everything's at ronanddonsitdown.com. 
Sean Connery, we find out, age 90, no longer with us, and he has not been in the press uh, lately, and they say that's because he's sick. Other people have said the reason he hasn't been in the press is because he was asked too many questions about an interview that he did with Playboy magazine, going all the way back to 1965, where he basically said in this interview that it was okay to go hands-on with a woman, uh, especially if you've tried everything else. And he was talking about hitting a woman. Uh, There's a woman that he's married to, his first wife, that accused him of hitting her. Uh, And it wasn't just this one chat with Playboy magazine. This had happened numerous times. It's interesting. We fast forward to now, and I see a lot of my friends, especially young women, they're like, oh, my gosh, he's so handsome. He's so beautiful. We miss him. Uh, We love 007. Guess who didn't love 007? Sean Connery. He hated 007. He was like Gilligan on Gilligan's Little Island. When Gilligan got done with that show, he's like, I cannot land another role. So I'm just going to go ahead and put on my white little hat and I'm going to be little buddy and go around and, and sell my autograph so I can buy pot. And that's how Bob Denver died. Sean Connery, on the other hand, still went on to do some really incredible acting. I loved him in The Hunt for Red October. And I thought he was a great actor, just a great, great actor. But he never really came out and apologized for what he said. Later on in life, his friends would say that Sean didn't feel that way and they'd try to reframe it. But it doesn't seem like it doesn't it, it, it doesn't seem like or at least I've never been able to read an exact apology from him saying, hey, I stepped over the line there. So what are your thoughts on Sean Connery? I know you have very you you have strong thoughts on Michael Jackson. And when we used to talk about this on Terrestrial Radio with our good friend Tom Tangney, he said, hey, there's art. And then there's the human. And those things don't always line up. And Tom said, can you appreciate the art of Michael Jackson? And, and maybe you don't like the human so much. And I wonder what he would say about Sean Connery. Hey, a really great, phenomenal actor. But maybe as we look at his personal life, uh, the hitting of women and also the hatred of that role. He hated that role. And yet, this so, so is what, we, Craig and this is what we remember him for today is this role that he hated uh, that makes us all, it's, 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 it's very romantic to all of us, everyone except for Sean Connery. So how do well, you feel? I mean, this view? is the, the age-old argument of, of people being born of a certain time um, do they have permission to change over the course of their life? And what is acceptable to each of us and uh, to, to forgive them, basically? And so it, to me, that there are two extremes. I think of like the Kevin Hart story where he you know, gets to host the Academy Awards. Someone finds what they say is an offensive tweet about homosexual people. And then he said, I've already apologized for that. I'm not going to continue to apologize for it for the rest of my life. And so if you don't accept my apology, fine. But I'm not that guy anymore. And I've already apologized. And so Kevin Hart didn't get the Academy Awards that year. And a lot of people rallied around him and said, yeah, you did apologize. And so you thought a lot of people thought the way you did when you said that you learned your lesson, you apologized, but you can still go dig up that quote. So you can still go dig up the Sean Connery quote from the Playboy interview. Um, John Wayne had the same thing where he did a Playboy interview that got him in a lot of trouble now about race, about race. So if you never change and you continue to espouse your viewpoint, then I think you condemn that person, and, but, and even if they were a great a- but, actor. But with Kevin, though, so, so let me ask you, with, with Kevin, 
when they found that quote, there was already a record of him apologizing for that quote. Right. It was already on the record. He's like, let me point to something that I've already done. In other words, you didn't just catch me. I caught myself, and now of there's course. a record of that. John Wayne never apologized for being a racist. He died a racist. Sean Connery never apologized for saying what he said about women or hitting his first wife. He never apologized for that. His friends did, and they tried to reframe it. Do you see that as being different? I think that people all evolve. Um, from I don't know the, the blow-by-blow of Sean Connery. What I do know of is that he, he tried to be as private as he could. Um, granted being a huge movie star, he, he liked privacy. He would, uh, you know, go back to the, uh, Scottish Irish countryside and try to have a normal life, so to speak. So I, my intuition is that if he did change, he was not the type of person that wanted to announce that to everybody. He would just say, um, I'm changing, I'm evolving, I'm doing it my own way. I don't need to make a big show of it. Um, I will just be changed. And so if he if he did, um, from what I know of, of his career, he would not tout it. He would just want it to be. And I think a lot of men that, you know, sort of that World War II era uh, ethic, you just, you lived a life, of, of quiet desperation. Like, well, that's that, the old you English weren't thing. quiet playing that role, and you weren't quiet when you said that to Playboy. So I don't, I don't buy that. If you go it's, on, it's, if you, it's a if fair you, critique. If you go on the record, then you need to go back on the record. It's, it's, it's like Dory Monson at Cairo. He, he, he said something on the record on Twitter. Cairo has since then put him back on air. And when you read his apology, he doesn't bring up the transgender community. And it looks like there was no change in his heart over what he tweeted. And again, I don't think he should have been fired by Cairo or taken off the Seahawk broadcast. But at the same time, I don't think he's I don't think he is is apologetic for what he said. So at least we know where he stands when it comes to the trans transgender community. So I, th- I think it's the same here. I mean. John Wayne was a racist and died a racist. He didn't apologize. So I don't need to forgive him. And I, I don't understand forgiving people that don't ask uh, or, or don't yeah, make an so apology. In terms of Does, for, doesn't, doesn't make sense to me. For me, um, in terms of appreciating someone's art, my line of demarcation is the abuse of children. For me. So... Drug use, can I appreciate someone's art? Absolutely. Jimi Hendrix, I have a poster on the wall right now. Kurt Cobain, did drugs, love his art. Um, Michael Jackson, abusing children, great songs, will not play them. Uh, Woody Allen, phenomenal director and writer, will not go to a movie. They, in my mind, abuse children. Um, If you have been violent in the past, um, I can still appreciate your art if you had an anger issue. And it was with like another adult. Um, I'm not endorsing it, but I can say I can separate that and go. I can see how that may have happened in the in the in the range of human responses. I can still appreciate your art um, if you had some violence in your past. When you start abusing children, then that's my personal line. So Mike Jackson out, uh, R. Kelly out. Um, you know, Woody Allen out for me, um, Kurt Cobain, Jimi Hendrix, like people that struggle with drugs, people that may have had a temper. Uh, Mel Gibson is, eh, it's like his was pretty extreme, but so like you sort of, it's a case by case basis. So with Sean Connery, I can still appreciate some of his roles. 
Um, but I'm not endorsing the behavior. No. I just think it's funny because he doesn't appreciate those rules. <laughs> it's so funny because Daniel Craig also now hates 007. Is that, is that true? He's like, I'm so done with it. Is, he, it. is it because you get so branded and then and then The contract is super restrictive. What do you mean? If you sign on to be James Bond, yeah. you're signing on, you're giving away your life while you're James Bond. Okay. And so, and then also Daniel Craig got upset where he's like, he wanted Edris Elba to be the next James Bond. And James Bond, with a history of racism, said, we're not going to have a black James Bond. Hmm. And so that also made Daniel Craig really angry. Yeah. Okay. Good stuff. Hey, you guys. Thanks for stopping by. Listen to episode 177. And whether you're a Trumper 2020 or you're riding with Biden, uh, we have great love and uh, respect for you. And I think no matter what happens on Tuesday... I was talking to a friend of mine that's a police officer, uh, 30 years here in Seattle, and said they are training like crazy for the unrest. They said we are very, very short when it comes to police officers, and there's just some areas of the city, if something goes down here, it's just not going to be covered. There'll just be areas in the city here that won't be covered, and that's already happened this year. So. That tells me, you know, we need to look out for each other. We need to do more than hang yellow balloons or orange balloons or black balloons at doors saying, hey, it's okay to come trick or treat. We really need to check in on one another. And, uh, and I think we have to send messages of love and care and compassion uh, to people that we know, that we love and care about. If, if the vote doesn't go our way or your way, whatever way that is. Because uh, at the end of the day, that American flag, it belongs to all of us. It does. It belongs to you and me, and we all have the right to let our freedom ring. He's Ron. I'm Don. Keep your head up, shoulders back. We'll see you next time. Also, check out our website, ronadonsitdown.com. You'll see the Ron and Don Show only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Hey, thanks for listening to the Ron and Don Show. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and find some black belt courage. Ah! I'm not kidding. <laughs>